Okay, so here we are on podcasting day, and I'm so excited to be here as usual. I say that all the time. Uh, last week I took a break and flew solo, and this week I am so excited to come back for a part three series in a total of four appearances with my good friend Hannah. I almost said Joy Joy. Hannah Joy Joy. So this is Rachel Vote. This is a Good Girl's Guide to podcast. So thanks so much for tuning in. Um, as usual, this is your absolutely free place to get some free content on Anchor, as you already know, because you're listening to it. But if that's what you are into at the moment, free content, I get it. I was there for quite a long time. Um, and I appreciate you. So that's why I'm going to deliver it back to you in the universe through the book of face on the Instagram and TikTok at a good girl's guide too. And don't forget as well, there's their, uh, VIP page, 18 years or older and a feminine energy where, uh, you gotta have a private invite for that, of course, but a lot of sexual wellness and intimacy building, uh, lots of free content and in-home party experience is all 100% free as well. If you're looking for, um, some aids, if you're looking for ways to spice things up, if you're looking for ways to expand on your God given right to pleasure, then let me know and empowerment classes wrapping up at the end of each month last wednesday i freaking love them okay i just i do i i run high vibe frequency for like 72 hours after i do a class i can't go to bed before midnight after i do a class because i'm just so freaking hyped up so anyways let me know if you're interested in that because it's a really great way to either begin your process or jumpstart one if you've taken a pause, I would say. And last but certainly not least, we got the want to one sessions, which are the most popular. So if you really want to spark your own momentum, um, a lot of individual focused, uh, individualized focused on you and your goals. So let me know. And I did mention recently, a good girl's guide to at Gmail is my email address. Facebook Messenger is the easiest way to get a hold of me, but I don't have a preference on what works best for you. So. Let's jump into part three of kink. As my husband knows, we were talking about this evening. <laughs> the first time ever a three-part series, which I'm ecstatic about. So welcome back, Hannah Joy. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me back, Rachel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, I'm just excited, excited to tell them that however long we had to chat before we even started this, we've already planned like two or three more podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. Well, per the usual, let them know where they can find you because um, you're just so fun to yeah. be around. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on social media as Hannah Joy on Facebook. That is palindrome version, H-A-N-N-E-H. It's the same forwards and backwards. And I am on TikTok and Instagram as Hannah Hannah Joy Joy. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So if you have missed the uh, additional episodes that we've done, I highly recommend going back because it's just a couple of them, right? You'll find them back to back. Um, All the Shades of Grey Part 3 is where we're at today. So uh, this is just a really great continuation of where we were at. So if you were digging the other two, I would say, well, I mean, this one's for the light version. So if you're like, if you're very new to it, if you're like, I don't know what's for me, then that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to kind of walk us through uh, let's we're gonna back, beat me back it up a little bit to the Fifty Shades realm where this kind of, especially for more mainstream media, which was when I had started my career, by the way, in, in Pure Romance was when Fifty Shades, the books had already been out, but the movies were about to come out. So this was huge. So I'll be able to relate to this experience basically through that lens too, which I'm excited about. So yeah, I'm gonna let you kick it off and what, what, what where, where are we starting at here today? Yeah, so... 
we did kind of end it last episode at kind of the difference between um, healthy, kinky sexual behavior and paraphilic disorders slash abuse. Right. Um, and, and one of the things I did mention is that Fifty Shades of Grey is not a great representation of a healthy BDSM or kinky relationship. Um, and a big part of why that is, is that one of the partners in that has absolutely no idea what's going on and is not educated on any of it. They're basically just pushed into it um, and kind of told that they don't really have another option. When we're talking about romance novels or um, movies, that's fine. You know, that's a... Um, it's the same kind of suspension of disbelief that lets us love movies like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, even though it's one of the most problematic films in retrospect. Um, it's it's the suspension of disbelief that lets us say, oh, yeah, all of these rom-com things. It's really cute when, uh, you know, Hugh Grant or Owen Wilson does it. If uh, your actual next door neighbor did that, you would hopefully call the police mm. it's that kind of separation of fantasy from reality yeah um and i will say i've been to your um 50 shades screenings like i went to the one that you had i think when the last movie came out and it's it's so much fun and it's it's about letting yourself kind of just let go of those concerns and be in the moment right and as someone who's in the kink community or has been in the kink community um for me, it's, it's, it's a suspension of disbelief. That's all it is. Right. Where it becomes problematic is for people who have no working knowledge and they go into that and observe it as a how-to. Yeah. That's where it gets really sketchy. Um, so the very first place that I wanted to start that we talked about starting here is um, consent and safety. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about kinky behaviors, um, there are kind of two, um, acronyms, kind of two schools of thought. One is, uh, safe. It's, it's SSC, safe, sane, and consensual, uh, which is basically just to say that in every encounter, those are kind of your rules. It has to be safe sane and consensual to be ethical kinky behavior um sane though kind of raises some eyebrows because some people are into things like uh, body modification or um cutting and blood play uh rape play as we've discussed previously and that kind of you know it runs a little bit counter or i shouldn't say it runs counter it there's some friction to using the phrase safe, sane, and consensual in contexts where, you know, a, a, an average person would not consider that sane behavior, Yeah. you know? So there's another version, which I personally think is a little bit more um, inclusive. We were just talking about inclusive language a minute ago um, before we started recording. The one that I find more inclusive is RAC, Risk Aware Consensual Kink. And the key part is that risk aware. It's recognizing that there is not a zero risk to anything. I mean, there is a 
whole television show called Sex Sent Me to the ER. And it's, and some of it's kinky, right? Some of it's literally just weird stuff that happened. You know, it's, it's not all stuff got uh, stuck inside my body or yeah. I got a broke yeah. burn or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's, it's weird things. I remember seeing one that was like one partner was performing oral sex on the other partner while that partner was eating dinner and they ended up with like a fork through their hand Ooh. because that was just like what, I mean, that has nothing to do with the sexual activity itself, yeah, yeah. but like, there's a risk to that apparently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are always ways that you can get injured right. um, or maimed or killed. So the risk aware piece of that is really just about educating yourself on the activity that you're undertaking. So if you're going to do something about, um, you know, with fire play, if you're going to be playing with fire, you need to be aware of the risks before you agree to do it. And so rack kind of underscores the fact that it, it, it's not just consent, it needs to be fully informed consent. And that, in my opinion, is where Fifty Shades falls really, really short is on the informed consent. So when it comes to sex in general, we're just gonna take it as a given that consent must occur. Mm-hmm. Consent must be enthusiastic. It can be revoked at any time. Yes. It must be given every time. And anything that does not meet those standards is not consensual. It is sexual assault. Yeah. We're just going to take that as a given. Yeah. So when we're applying that to kink, it is very important in the same way that it's important to disclose your STI history to a sexual partner. It's important to disclose to a a kinky partner what exactly risks they can plan on getting involved with with you. And what's that? What that is typically called is negotiation. Mm. Uh, So for anyone who has read Fifty Shades, I'm just I'm going to keep going back to this series. Um, There is a whole ass chapter of. Oh, gosh, what's her name even? I don't know. The Bella character. Anna, Anna, yeah, Anna, probably. Um, there's a whole chapter that is Anna reading like bullet points of expectations of what she's going to do. There are soft limits, there are hard limits, there are rules and expectations, there are this is where you're gonna go to get all of your pubic hair waxed off, this is your diet, this is how much you'll exercise. And Then they have dinner and she sort of pushes on a couple of things. And I will say that in that moment, there is somewhat healthy negotiation happening. Um, I think it's portrayed better in the books than it is in the movies for that particular part. But, you know, where she says, no, I'm, I'm, you can't control what I eat. No, I'm not agreeing to that. Because as we talked about two episodes ago with power dynamics, when you're doing any kind of power exchange, the person who you think has the power is often not the one who does. Because it's the person giving of their own autonomy, their own freedoms. They are the one who really has control. Because if they don't, it's not consensual. It's assault. Right. And or abuse. Right. Um, so... 
that negotiation piece is often done uh, on a scene by scene basis. So if you think of like a scene in a play or a movie where the curtains open, the characters go on, they say their lines, they leave, the curtains close, the scene is over. In kink, that is what a, an encounter is often called is a scene. And it sort of underscores the fact that for most people in most cases, they are taking on those roles. That's not Deb from accounting and Bob from sales. That's this top and this bottom doing whatever activity it is they're doing. Yeah. So um, the scene is generally considered to be like where the rules or where the negotiated things stop and start. So if, if I am negotiating with someone uh, that they want to try caning, we talked about caning last week. So let's say I have someone who's curious about that. I will negotiate with them and say, you know, I'm going to use only the cane. These are your safe words. And it stops when you say it stops. You go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to leave the room. Let me know when you're ready for me to come in. As soon as I come in, the scene starts. Like it can be that structured yeah. or it can just be get over here. You know, I mean, it really depends on the relationship, but what's important is that because I've negotiated that, if that friend who wanted to try caning, if we go out and get coffee in two or three weeks, I don't get to bring my cane and whap them in Starbucks. Yeah. Right. Like that's not what was negotiated. That's not what that person consented to. So that's where kind of the scene comes in. And I think it's also important to say that consent can be situational. You know, I mean, if like to put it in a very vanilla context, if you have, um, let's say a, a, a partner lives with their parents, right? You're probably more comfortable having sex with them when the parents are not home. That's situational consent. So the fact that last weekend when they were out of town and you know, you got down and dirty on the kitchen table or whatever, well, now that they're back, that consent doesn't continue. So it is really important to recognize that in, in sexual encounters in general, but even more importantly in kink, mm -hmm. consent is situational and must be active and informed. So that's, that's my soapbox moment about consent here. Yeah. And I think that's really important because like, so it was funny because as you started the first reference you made to talking about like the contract in the movie, that was exactly what I was going to was that scene where they're, she's like fisting. No, take it off. Like that's like what is most <laughs> memorable to, to that scene. But when you would describe the fact that, you know, it is so important that it's acknowledged that this is a fantasy. It's built off of a fantasy novel. It is built off of real life things, but it is not different than the romance novels that my mother used to read about big breasted women being saved by Fabio looking men uh, oh, yeah. on horseback that all were the biggest well endowed men that knew exactly what to do with a woman, but was not actually described accurately in the book mm -hmm. with no lubrication and raw dog in it. Like it was like super, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I think it's so important because as a young woman, I mean, I would even say before that, like I would have had to have been middle school or elementary school, being able to find those types of books and reading those passages, 
my little brain did not know that that's fantasy. My little brain mm-hmm. is reading, these are my first exposures to sex and intimacy and thinking that that's what the expectation is of. And especially if my mother is reading it, which my little brain does not understand that that's her mm-hmm. fantasy and that it gets the juices flow in, uh, that that's what I'm supposed to be partaking in as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I thought that was a really, it's a very poignant thing to get back on the soapbox for a moment because it can seem sexy to not have choices. That's part of the uh-huh. fantasy. And so it's, even though I want to, I'm just going to say this, and I think people will hear my heart. It's so important to remember that even as adults, we're programmable. So if you had that Fifty Shades of Grey being your first major exposure to kink, think about the fact if you if you drive a, a car because of the name brand, if you wear clothing because of the name brand, if you wear certain types of makeup or clothing, or I said that already, glasses, uh, if your hair care products, if there's something about something that you are drawn to because of a brand, you already can recognize that you are subjectable to programming because there's the reason you found that out was because of an ad. Okay. So if your baseline to kink became through these movies in this book, then you were programmed potentially if you didn't know any better or did more research because this was a huge turn on for you. That's what you think is acceptable. Just the same way I thought that all big-breasted women needed a Fabio. And I was like, ugh, don't want that, you know? So it doesn't change the fact that that's what I thought I was supposed to have. And that's important to note. Yeah, yeah and the, the programming piece of it is not only as adults with... Uh, I don't want to say this... Most of us, for a variety of reasons, are programmed that sex in general is dirty. Right. And dirty sex is way dirty. Yeah. And anything that you might even start to call kinky, not okay. Yeah. You know, like, that is what a slut, what a creep, like, there's something wrong with those people, right? And, again, I think this is what we talked about right up top last week. Part of why I'm so open about it is that I am as close to normal presenting mm. as a person can really get. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a weirdo. Don't get me wrong, but it, I, you know, I'm a middle-aged professional, college-educated white cis woman. I live in the middle of the country. Like, how unassuming could I be? Right. Also, I don't have a gun in my house. I have a sawed-off golf club that is a cane that I bought, but like I can I can do some damage to somebody who comes <laughs> into my house with that, right? Yeah. So it's it it is so my hope is that this series kind of helps to deprogram or reprogram some of your listeners to recognize that like kink is not inherently bad. There's nothing inherently dark or evil about it literally all it is is that piece of your sexuality that runs differently than other people's and if that means that i mean if that means that you get really turned on listening to brian adams albums Mm -hmm. and you have a brian adams fetish it's still a kink even though like you're listening to love songs You know, if you love uh, uh, getting a massage and, you know, trading that with your partner before a sexual encounter, also a kink, 
Yeah. It's just not tying someone up and beating them black and blue. Right. So we don't register that as kink. So again, way back in episode 52, one, three, Something. somewhere in there. Yeah. One of those. It's the one called let's talk about pegging. You can't miss it. Yeah. Um, in that one, we, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, we were. All right. So try again. Okay. So way back in our previous episode, one of the things we talked about was the kind of two main ideologies that your kink is not my kink and that's okay. And you're probably kinkier than you think you are. Right. And that's because if you have a kink, something in you that is different from the people around you, something you like that not everybody does. If you are not someone who like Rachel and I speak very frankly about their sex lives with other people, Mm -hmm. you might not know that that is different from the people around you. Right. You know? So, I mean, in the same way, I mean, we've all been, we've all had that friend and been that friend where someone mentions the movie and they're like, oh, I've never seen it. And everybody in the room is like, you've you never it? seen the breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like, I mean, it's that except it's like, Oh, I don't know. I kind of like it when I get my hair pulled, you know, it's that same kind of thing. That's just never come up. But with the added social pressure of like, we're kind of conditioned to just not talk about it. It's so like, I promise you to everybody listening if you were to tell your partner or your best friend, someone like the person who knows you the best in the world, if you were to tell them every dirty thought you'd ever had, something would surprise them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Even if you don't think of yourself as a super dirty person, you know, and, and what that comfort level is, what those kinks are, as we've talked about the gyroscope, it changes over time. It changes from day to day. So there are always those shifting, turning wheels that are going to impact what you consider kinky and what you're into. And there's going to be a point where those two things interact or overlap. Well, you know, and I think that's another valid point, too, because like one of the conversations I had been having very uh, recently with one of my best friends, uh, who's a trans woman, is about like how... Like it feels like a touchy subject because again, currently I identify as a heterosexual woman, so I don't know that it's my place. But I had seen a TikTok where somebody who I would he didn't say, but I would I, I I'm making an assumption he identifies as a he, but definitely more feminine. So my assumption would be he's gay. And the TikTok was that sexuality is that you want to sleep with who you want to sleep with, and that's it. it. It is nothing more or less than that. And if you're not, then you're doing it wrong. And it made a lot of sense to me. It clicked for me, but I do also remember as somebody who grew up at the height of when gay was a big thing and lesbianism was barely even a thing yet, that we were not allowed to say that it was a choice, that you were born this way. And I think that that's still very true. You were definitely born away, but for a lot of us, you know, like, I just, like I just said, like, I would say I'm 99.9% heterosexual if I had to put a stamp on it at the moment. But there's so many people who come out in their 20s. There's so many people who come out in their 30s. There's so many people who come out again when they start to really, like, 
focus the scope on what they're figuring out. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that they were wrong to say that they were bisexual to go to a lesbian. It just means that for whatever reason they were conditioned or programmed to think that they were into men if they weren't truly into men. Or maybe they were genuinely into men, but later in life they find themselves more attracted to softer femininity. Whatever it is. So there, I think there's a lot of fluidity that needs to be accepted on that realm because of what you just said. Is that maybe right now the sexiest thing that you can think of is like having sex with your partner in missionary position. But maybe 10 years from now you find that the most specific thing that turns you on is like solo masturbation porn. Like you know you never know what it's going to be and it doesn't make it wrong. It's just new. It's just new. And it's so blatantly vanilla what your exposure is even in 2021 on a healthy level that there's there's a lot out there that you just don't know about yet <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. why that that that's all kink but it's not really it's just the varying shades of gray that's all that it is yeah is. yeah no and i mean that that does make sense because it i mean the gender of your partner or partners absolutely impacts it we talked a lot about that with um uh, I think when we were talking about power dynamics, mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people have different um, uh, comfort levels with different genders, yeah. you know, and and so it's it's not necessarily to and and it is important to say there's a real big difference between the gender of your partner or partners influencing the flavor of the interaction right versus fetishizing right certain groups cultures races genders whatever that can become very dehumanizing and demoralizing and damaging right um but it is important to say yeah there is absolutely a gendered um impact on kink and kinky behavior so, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, so, having said all of that, right. consent, informed consent, being aware of your kinks and being willing to recognize that they're kinks, right? That's a big one. I think that's a hurdle for some people. Right. Because they don't want to say... Ooh, I'm into this. This must mean I'm yeah. I'm maybe gross temporarily, or if if the if the word kink is too much for you, which it shouldn't be, because it's just mm-hmm. it's just the sex word for preference. So mm-hmm. maybe you substitute it for preference until you can identify it with kink. Yeah. Or you just always call it preference, whatever. Yeah, or if you want to, you know, if you're very used to saying like, oh no, I'm vanilla, you can call this like your chocolate sprinkles. There you go. Yeah. You know, your rainbow sprinkles, your whipped cream, your cherry on top, whatever. Cool. Um. So. Yeah, if kink feels too harsh, if BDSM feels too harsh, you don't have to call it that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I have come out as three different sexualities in the last two years because I keep learning new words, and I'm like, no, wait, actually, that's a better fit. Yes. Actually, oh, no, wait, we're, we're actually getting more specific. No, that, yeah. that, that, you know, so, I mean, it's okay to change. Like, no one's set in stone, yeah. but yeah. everything changes. Yeah. So... Um, a couple of safety pieces for it, for just kind of all of it, um, because there are a lot of emotional and physical elements to especially BDSM type behavior where there's power exchange or 
pink lathers, things like that. Um, a big part of it is safe words. And this is the point where the either partner, any partner, anyone involved can call a stop. And rather than saying, ow, no, don't, to be a stop, well, if you're getting spanked, you're probably saying, ow. You might even be saying no, but you really mean yes. Right. As a top, you should never take a no to mean a yes. But also, you should have safe words so that when they really do mean no, mm -hmm. there's a different word they can use. Yeah. Right? So there are, like, three pretty standard ways that I'm going to go over. But, like, you can have any safe word you want. You just want it to be... Sorry. Oh, that was my anti-anxiety med alarm that I forgot to turn off again. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's not a cat. Um, <laughs> so there, there are kind of three basic ones. A safe word can be anything you want that you're not going to say in bed in normal situations, mm -hmm. right? It's just like a code word that can't possibly be uh, mistaken for something else. Yeah. So, I mean, your safe word can be, I don't know, your high school mascot. Elmo. I mean, whatever you want, but here are kind of the classics. The first one is traffic lights. This is the one that you see most. So if, you, if you've ever heard someone referred to as calling red, um, it's traffic lights. Green means go. Yellow means slow down. Red means stop. Mm -hmm. um, as the bottom, it is your responsibility to call yellow or red when you need to. Conversely, as the top, it is your responsibility to check in with your bottom to make sure that they are giving you colors. Right. If you see that your partner is getting overwhelmed with whatever the activity is, whether it's bondage or impact play or, um, you know, choking, anything like that, if you see that your partner is in too deep or they are you know, if they appear to be going in and out of consciousness, for example, like it is, even though they're not saying no, they're not saying red or yellow, it's your responsibility to check in because it is very possible as a bottom. And especially when there's pain involved, your brain starts dropping endorphins and dopamine and serotonin to deal with the pain. And then it gets really hard to stay in the moment. So you might be too overwhelmed to remember how your voice works. You might be too overwhelmed to remember yellow or red. So if your partner checks in and says, hey, what's your color? That's just like a little reminder. And if your bottom can't give a color when you ask, you need to treat that as a red. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, as, as you grow with partners as you play with partners over and over you, you can kind of renegotiate those lines you can talk about you know after the fact what is and is not working what happened do we need to discuss whatever you can have those debriefs afterwards um but at the start i always encourage people to just hold really firm to those lines you gotta check in you gotta check in often um the second one is numbers, which is a really cool one. Um, I really like it for impact play because it's basically, it doesn't require a word. You hold up your hand. Um, 
And it's basically one is basically just goes one to five. One is harder. Three is perfect. Five is red basically. Mm. So it gives you like, I'm feeling nothing all the way up to this is approaching my limit. Okay. Red. And what I really like about it is that an open hand is five. You, if, if it's too much, you don't have to remember how to work your fingers. You just throw up your hand. Yeah. Now, because it's not audible, the top has to be paying attention to that, obviously. Um, but if they are, and if you're especially like learning your boundaries as a bottom with pain play or with impact play, it can be really, really helpful because you're, your top can actually get a feel for what are your limits? What do you like? What is too much? What is not enough? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I mean, I, um, I have seen people get spanked very loudly. Like it makes a lot of sound, but it doesn't actually hurt. Yeah. You know, like I have a writing crop that it makes a ton of noise. And I think I previously described it as like getting hit with a kitten. Yeah. Like it just, it's got no bite to it. Um, we tend to assume that if there's a lot of noise, there must be a lot of pain, but that's not always the case. So what the number system does is it lets you check in with your bottom as far as, you know, where are you? I'm not trusting my interpretation. I want to know where you are. Mm -hmm. If you're all squirming and wiggly, is that because you're really, really enjoying it? Or is it because you really are about to need me to stop? So it just kind of gives both the positive and the negative as opposed to just, we're approaching the boundary. We've crossed the boundary. And then the third one is drop items, which a lot of times you see it mostly if there's like a gag or a hood where like the face is not visible or the person can't speak. But a drop item is literally just something you hold in your hand. And if you need to use a safe word, you just let go of that object. And again, it's really great because you don't really need to remember it. Like it's, it's almost like the the null value, right? So if, you know, if, if you just kind of lose feeling, actually, that's a really good example. Let's say you're tied up and you're losing feeling in your hands. If you have a drop ball, like, like literally a rubber, like bouncy super ball, if you have your hands tied up above your head with a rubber ball in them, you're not necessarily going to notice your hands going numb because that's how cutting off circulation works. But what is going to happen is your fingers are going to go limp and whatever's in your hand is going to fall to the ground. Yeah. And then it's a visual cue um, that that lets, lets the people around you know, like, hey, something needs to be addressed right now. Whether you did that on purpose or you did that because you lost control of your hand, right. that needs to be addressed. Um, I once saw someone and it's become like just kind of a almost a like just like the ultimate story um, in a certain group of kinky folks that I know where um, two people were planning to do uh, breath play. So the, the bottom had a gag and a drop item and the top put their hand on their throat. And here is like, I'm not even going to talk about choking tonight because I don't, it's not a beginner thing. It feels super easy. It is so so goddamn dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And this is a perfect example. This is a top who has played with this bottom many times before. And this top knows what they're doing. They've done choking. But what they accidentally did was instead of putting pressure on the breathing part of the throat, 
they actually caught their blood vessels and did what's called a blood choke, which is where you physically restrict the blood flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. And it causes you to pass out in like 10 seconds or less. So they are barely into this scene. The top has no reason to think anything's wrong. And suddenly the drop ball falls because the bottom has lost consciousness 10 10 seconds into this scene. So it's really great for things like that where there's a possibility of genuine, a, a genuine possibility that you might lose feeling or lose consciousness because, again, you do not have to be physically present or mentally present for that to signal to your top that something is going on. Yeah. So those are kind of the three traffic lights, numbers, drop balls. There are um, just like a bazillion different ways to do it. Um, I did a scene once with a friend who had um, uh, <laughs> just a lot of uh, body image and self-esteem issues. And she wanted me to make her safe word. She wanted me to hit her until she couldn't take it anymore. And I said, okay, fine. Your safe word is I'm a pretty girl. And she was so mad at me. Um, just so mad at me because like, that was even harder for her to say than red. Right. Like that's, you know, so it was, it became this very like cathartic thing for her. Um, and you know, she agreed to it. It's not like I forced it on her. She agreed to it. She was like, Oh God, this is going to hurt so bad. Like emotionally. <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> to, well, to, and physically because it's physically, take, that's the yeah, point, but literally was going to take her to get the cojones to say that out loud, which was so painful to get it to mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those like kink as self care. Right. Because also it, it is, um, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing for her to say anyway. Right. But now it's the thing she has to say. Right. To end this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So two birds, one stone. Yeah. So anyway, there are, I, I, I share that story just because there's a, a bazillion different ways to say for it. Like it's whatever you want it to be. Those are just kind of the easy to start with ones. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Consent, safe words. Cool. Right. Where are we at on time at this point? Do you know? 30, almost 39 minutes in. Okay. Perfect. That's actually just about perfect. So, We have talked about um, power dynamics, impact play, um, different types of kinks. So I just basically want to go through that in like the same order Mm -hmm. that that we did before. Um, So we're going to start with what I would really consider very much to just be like rainbow sprinkles on your vanilla ice cream, um, which is called um, sensation play. And sensation play is very rarely about pain, although it certainly can be in that pain is a sensation. But this is actually going to be like the kind of stuff that you see in Cosmo sex tips. Right. You know, it's things like play with temperature, play with textures, play with different locations on your partner's body. Um, So things like um, sensations. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the lubricant right. is really great for that because it is doing a, a temperature change, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, 
Ice cubes are another very fun thing to bring into the bedroom, especially this time of year when it's a hundred goddamn degrees every day of the week. Yeah. Um, I, I have a very brief window of tolerance for that, and we passed it in May. <laughs> um, so temperature is a really good one. Um, warmth, cold, contrast really is what a lot of this is about, is contrasting different things. Right. Um, texture would be things like the feel of um, silk against your skin versus uh, satin versus velvet. Like it's just, you know, every texture is uh, uh, interpreted by your brain differently. Right. So it's just kind of playing with different things. So that can mean, you know, if you have very long hair, running your hair across your partner's skin instead of your hands for a moment, you know, like it's a lighter, ticklier feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can also be, as simple as using different parts of your hand. So like what I always, what I love to show people is on the palm of one hand, take your other hand and basically just trace a line from your middle finger down to your wrist. Mm -hmm. Do it with the tip of a finger. Do it with your entire palm. Do it with just your fingernail. Do it with your knuckles. I mean, there are so many different textures and sensations just on your hands. You don't need toys for any of this, you know, and it's, it can be something like for a lot of people, one very light finger that tickles a lot. So if you then follow it up with some nails to kind of undo that tickly sensation, um, you've got you know, a really good contrast there where you kind of get like the shudder and the goosebumps and then the scratch to kind of calm it down. So it, you don't take it to a point of being like, oh no, I'm being tickled. Right. <laughs> because that's, yeah. that's uncomfortable for most of us. For, for many of us, that's not actually sexy at all. Yeah. Same thing with your mouth, hot breath, lips, teeth, tongue that, you know, your whole body is made of different things. Like just get creative with how you're touching your partner and you can, you can, accomplish a lot of this. Um, one thing that can be very fun with sensation play is, um, incorporating a little bit of sensory deprivation. Mm -hmm. So things like a blindfold so that they are not able to see what they're being touched with. It really heightens those other senses. Um, if you want to double down on that, you can also add earbuds and just, you know, just play some music. They can't hear you moving. They don't know where you are. So if you've got them laying out on the bed or something and you walk around to the other side, they don't know that that's where you are. And the touch hits different because they don't, sorry, hits different in, in like a, a slang sense, not like you're hitting them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the, the touch, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just responded written. to yeah. by the brain differently because they don't, you know, there's no visual, or auditory to kind of track where the person in the room is with you. Well, yes, and not only that, but it's like now that one sense is shut off, it allows for your others to be extra mm. on, basically, um, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, I, I love this I uh, this conversation about this like the the earbuds is what I was really thinking about is because it's like one thing if you have a sexy playlist. But then if you tie your partner up and then give them the earbuds so they still hear the playlist, but mm-hmm. all you get to hear is their full body natural response, 
because they will be less insecure to make noise because they can't hear themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they don't have a blindfold on and you have them tied up, then they're going to react quite, I mean, they only have one way to react natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned the sexy playlist. Like if, if you have like, I mean, you can very easily theme the entire thing. Yeah. You know, if you have like a sultry jazz playlist or if you, if you do have like your banging playlist, mm -hmm. play that for your partner. Like if that is the music that they hear when you're having a sexual encounter with them anyway, absolutely right. add it into this moment right? because they've got these positive, um, connotations, but that they already have sexual connotations with that. Um, and I mean, even if you don't have a, a playlist, just like find songs that you think are sexy Right. And play it. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're, if your goal is to just really mess with your partner, play, I don't know, Britney Spears or <laughs> like find a playlist of like boy bands and bubblegum pop and play it for them. I mean, like you can, you can make it anything you want because right. this is play. It's sensations play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I'm, I'm all about the music, and now my brain is just, like, spinning out on different ways that that could be incorporated. Um, we're we're going to get, a, we're gonna get a, a comfortable set of headphones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to experiment here. Um, oh, one other thing I do want to say about the, the earbuds, or, you know, playing music. You can also play, like, audiobook erotica. You can play, if you have a partner who has um, sensory overload issues, you can just play nature sounds or white noise. Like if they need that, not as another stimulus, right. but to remove that stimulus, you right. can absolutely do that as well. So just tossing that out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sensation play is by far the easiest way to kind of dip a toe in that. Um, because a lot of times what you're going to find is like maybe a little scratching or a little biting, um, you know, maybe some of the slightly rougher stuff is where you end up with that. If you are wanting to go farther than that, because the, the other thing with sensation play is it's very easy to just be like, oh, I read about this in Cosmo or right. oh, I just, I just want to touch you and make you feel good. Pretty much anything else is going to require that kitchen table conversation. Right. Like all of this needs communication, but if you are wanting to tie up your partner or tell your partner what to do or hit your partner for sure, you gotta have that conversation beforehand. Like you don't walk into the bedroom wearing latex and holding a bull whip yeah. and expect that that's going to go really well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, <clears throat> um, we talked about, beginner power dynamics, bondage, and impact play. So I just kind of want to go over some ways that you can really, truly dip a toe in that. And this is probably going to be kind of quick, little rapid fire. Sure. Power dynamics. We talked about how every relationship has one, whether it's totally equal, someone's in charge here, someone's in charge there, whatever. Um, Doing it as part of sexual play or fantasy play is really as simple as, can be as simple as following instructions. Um, so it can be, 
you know, putting your partner's hand in a certain spot and saying, stay there. It can be, don't make a sound. It can be, look at me, do not close your eyes. You know, so it, it can be very simple commands in the moment that do not expand outside of the bedroom or outside of the sexual encounter. I'm not going to judge where you want to yes, have your right. sexual encounters. <laughs> can be outside the kitchen table. That's fine. Just, you know, clean it before you invite me over for dinner. That's right. Um, there are a lot of um, sexual positions that put one partner in a more dominant or controlling role. I think probably the classic one for the um, penetrated partner uh, would be for them to be on top, riding their partner with a penis or wearing a strap on or, you know, whatever the penetrating object is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that person to be on top, physically pinning down their partner, um, what is often called doggy style, which is not like my favorite phrase for it. Right. Um, but you know, if you've got one partner with their face down in the pillows and their partner's hand on, you know, between their shoulders, physically holding them down while they're penetrated again, that's kind of inherently that person has more power. So sometimes it can be really just as easy as having a partner pin a leg back or hold your wrist in one hand. Like I have, I have small lady hands and delicate girly wrists, right? (laughs) So I don't hate it if a partner has hands big enough to hold both my wrists at once, right? That's kind of like, Oh, wow, look at how small and delicate I am and how big and masculine you are. Right. You know, is that really kinky? I mean, like relative to some things I've done, no, but it's extremely accessible. Yeah. So there are very, very simple ways that you can do it. So even if what I hear from particularly women who are in a relationship with men. Yes. What I hear a lot is he doesn't want to hurt me. He's really scared of hurting me. He doesn't want to spank me. He does, you know, which is great. That means they are programmed that you don't hit your spouse. You don't hit your partner. And that's fantastic. So some things like this, where maybe your less dominant partner can do small things that make you feel submissive, that can be a way to do that power exchange without your partner having to take on a whole persona that maybe they don't relate to. Yeah. Um, If they do want to put on a whole persona though, there is something very fun called role play, which is basically, you know, you find a story and you play it out and it does not have to be a good story. There is a reason that plumbers and pizza delivery people are like the trope of pornography, (laughs) right? Nobody actually believes that anyone in history has opened the door wearing lingerie and didn't have any money to pay for a pizza and they just had to work out a different way to pay for it. Right. That's never happened in history unless someone planned it. So it can be as simple as that. It can just be, you know, pretending to be different people, pretending to have a a circumstance that requires sex to resolve it, which there aren't a lot of those, but they exist. Contrive one. Again, it's that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One that I personally think is a really fun thing, especially just to like watch people squirm when you tell them about it is um, have your partner go to a bar 
and then go pick up your partner. Mm-hmm. Pretend like you don't know each other. You can have a whole new identity. You can put on a wig. You can dress differently. Um, if you wear makeup, you can do different makeup. You can have an accent. I mean, you can really go as far out as you want with it. But basically, go to a place where nobody knows that you're together and pick up your partner. And because it's your partner and you know they're going home with you, you can be as bold as you want. And it hits a lot of buttons for some people because there are all of these elements of like, you know, between you and your partner, there's kind of that like, you get that kind of dopamine hit of like a new person. I'm like, ooh, I'm being, I'm being flirted with, I'm being approached, I'm being seduced. So you get those, but you also know that the people around you are thinking things like that lucky bastard, like, man, I want that person to come hit on me. Mm. Or maybe someone's thinking, oh man, I was going to hit on that person. Now they're going to go home with them. It's, it's just a fun way to step outside of yourself for a minute. Yeah. Um, And it can be a power dynamic or it can just be the fun of taking on another character. Like if you, always dreamed of being a uh oh my gosh what's it called an airplane hostess flight attendant flight attendant thank you gosh all i could think of was stewardess and i was like that is so 1965 (laughs) um a flight attendant if you've always had just like a fantasy of getting with a flight attendant on an international flight have your partner pretend to be a flight attendant on an international flight and go bang on the bathroom sink. You know, I mean, it's, it's nothing like power dynamic. It's just fulfilling that fantasy right. with someone who's already, you know, in a safe way. Yeah. Cause that's what a lot of it comes down to is just yeah. finding a safe way to do it. Cause if you actually try that, there's a really high chance you're going to get arrested when you get off the plane. Yeah. Well, as you said that, like I was thinking in my brain too. So like in that particular instance, also that you wouldn't really want to have sex in an airplane bathroom, okay? You just oh, no. uh The space and the smell would be enough. Like, that is the type of fantasy that is resi- reserved for people who have, like, private jets. I was yes. also, I was thinking about this one time because I was showering with my partner once and how much I really, 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 really enjoy a hot shower and how when I was a little girl, I saw the movie Cocktail, which I probably shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> but there is a scene in that movie because they're in, like, an exotic place when they meet. And they, I don't know if they actually have sex in the movie, but they definitely do some hardcore making out under this waterfall. And so as a young girl, that was, like, a very big fantasy of mine. And then standing in the shower 25 years later going, that would be the coldest motherfucking, like, sexual encounter ever. Like, that doesn't even sound remotely sexy at this point now that I've been able to analyze this fantasy. Like, I can actually control the water, which was what was sexy about that, and have this mm-hmm. temperature that is comfortable for my... And I can actually just, like, have sex in a, you know, a bed afterwards instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But same same kind of concept. Yeah. it's 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 one of those, like... You know, you always hear, like, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. Don't actually live out your sexual fantasies. Yeah, you'll be sadly mistaken majority of the time, I think. Yeah, yeah, like, if you Sex grew up in the kitchen Nebraska, table isn't even that great either. It's painful. The what? Sex on the kitchen table. Oh, yeah, no, I can't imagine it actually would be very comfortable. And I would be there the whole time, just like, I'm gonna have to clean this so much later. You know, like, it just... <laughs> Like, there are too many things that take you out of the moment, but if, you know, you can have fun with what you want in a safe way, in an accessible way, in a way that doesn't get anybody arrested, which, like, at the end of the day, I think is a really good goal for any sexual encounter. Oh, yeah. No one goes to the hospital. No one gets arrested. Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, there are other standards, but those are some good starting points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so role play and power dynamics really can be very, very simple as just a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, bondage is a little bit scary to me to think of someone new to BDSM doing bondage because while it feels very simple, there are genuine dangers to it. Um, that mostly have to do with circulation, nerve damage, loss of blood flow, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that, uh, starting with something soft is good. So like a real sturdy leather cuff. Nah, something that's nice and soft and Velcros. That's, that's a good starting point. And I think actually, um, does Pyramid still have the, like, vanilla... The bed... Oh, oops. No, the, we don't have that no more. We've got the bed bottom okay. beyond still, which is Velcro, and so is the Sexy Spreader. Okay. Yeah, those would be two really good ones. The, the Sexy Spreader and the Bed Bondage and Beyond, because they're... It's a Velcro strap that goes around your wrist, or ankle, or whatever. And so... What's fantastic about that is you can get out of it yourself. Right. That's why I was there's not going to be any Gerald's game situations with that. Yeah. It's, it's very comfortable and soft. And if you like it a ton and you think, oh man, the fact that I know I can get out of this really ruins it for me. Okay, fine. Then graduate up to, you know, leather cuffs and steel padlocks, whatever. Right. But this is a good starting point. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing bondage, here's some safety basics. For beginners, again, as you learn, as you grow, as you know what your partner likes and can handle, these can all change. This is just what I suggest from the beginning, like the the strictest safety you can have. Number one, you have to have a way to get out of it really fast, whether that is scissors or a seatbelt cutter. You need to be able that if your partner is suddenly in pain, if you spent 20 minutes tying them up in rope on a tutorial you watched on YouTube, you need to be able to cut through that rope immediately. You don't have 20 minutes to get them out of that tie. So number one, you have to be able to bail. Whatever the material is, have something that will break it. If you're playing with chains, get some bolt cutters, whatever. Right. Um, number two, don't put weight on the tied area because that is a really quick way to increase the risk of losing blood flow. So if you have a partner uh, with their hands tied behind their back, don't lay them on their back, lay them on their front or their side. Similarly, if it's tied up front, don't lay them on their front. Um, don't elevate the tied area. I think this is a really hard one for people because the kind of quintessential image is a handcuff on each hand kind of above the head to the headboard, right? Yeah. yeah. That's actually not a great idea. Like you don't want to have that elevated above your heart because again, it increases that risk of losing feeling, losing blood flow. And again, over time, yes, you can build up to that, but you know, from a zero depth entry point, just don't, don't do that. Work on it later. Well, so do you suppose, so do you suppose, um, like, because as you were talking about that, yes, I would agree. Like the quintessential vision is headboard above your head. And then I was thinking about the, the bed bondage and beyond on how you can use that behind a headboard, but because it's a four point system, it works better if your partner is kind of spread out on the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're tied down instead of tied up. With that particular type of, let's say, contraption, I mean, it's a, it's more about the tying down system and just like the not being able to use your hands and over the fact that it's loss of blood circulation and that type of feeling, correct? 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think the arms above the head, I think it's a very Hollywood thing because it's, it's quite an aesthetic, right? And also like, I mean, I am, I have a, a pretty voluptuous hourglass figure, right? I I have some Mm tum-tum and I have a lot of hips. And if I pull my arms up above my head and give like a little pose, boy, my tummy really slims out. Yeah, And and it's just like a natural breast lift. Like everything just kind of goes up and elongates. So from a cinematography perspective, yeah, it's a great pose. Everybody looks hot in that pose. It's, you know, it's, you're, you're vulnerable and you're beautiful and you're, you know, all spread out. But like, if really your goal is just to not be able to move, just tie them flat to the bed. Yeah. It's not going to be the most aesthetic thing you've ever seen. Yeah. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be safer and it's going to be a good starting point that again, like, yes, you can play with that more later. Yeah. You can change your mind on what works for you. I just, every body type is different and there are different places on the body where pressure is more dangerous than you would think. There are places on the body where, um, pressing in like, um, like something tied very tightly. Right. It's more dangerous than you think, especially if you have a partner with a little bit of padding, like you might think you've got a lot of space before you're doing any damage, but actually it's like, you can really hurt someone. Um, so it's just, unless it's something that you already have experience in or until you have experience in it, I just always encourage people, like, just treat these as hard and fast and then wiggle around within them, I guess is, is the best way I have. Yeah. So when we're talking about bondage, the other two safety basics, well, three, the top is responsible for checking in. Right. I, I, I already said that, but like when it comes to bondage, especially you can't feel it when numbness settles in, you know, like when, when I sit cross-legged in my work chair and at least once a day I go to stand up and I'm very confidently just like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I make it two steps and realize I can't feel my left leg below yeah, me. Yep. You know, I didn't notice that happening. So why would your bottom notice that happening to their wrist or their arm or to their leg below the knee if they're tied up in a way that cuts off circulation there? So it's your responsibility to check in, um, to, to make sure. And and that check-in can just be like, you know, wiggle your fingers for me. And if they can't, (laughs) it's because they can't feel their hands anymore. And so then you, you know, you adjust as needed. And that doesn't have to mean everything stops. It could just mean, okay, let's, let's move your hands a little bit so that you can feel the blood flow. Cause while you can't feel your hands going numb, everyone in the world knows what it feels like to feel that feeling come back. Yep. <laughs> it's, you know, when it's happening. Yeah. Um, and then the bottom's responsibility is also to raise concerns. You know, if you have a, I mean, anything from like my nose itches to, this knot is digging into the back of my knee really uncomfortably. Like, just say it, raise those concerns, assuming that, you know, your, your top is going to respect and take care of and and deal with that. And if that means you need to say, Ooh, yellow, 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 this hurts, please move it. I'm fine. No, don't stop, but just move this one. knot. it hurts. That's fine. And 
I've heard a lot of people to be like, oh, that ruins the moment. Well, you know, like, does, 10 it, or 15 I mean, does, years, it, does it really ruin yeah. the moment? It's ruining the moment. You're not getting your pleasure correctly. So, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like saying that stopping to put a condom on the ruins the moment. Yeah. Well, only if you think of it in a certain way. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's maybe not the top part of the moment, but it is a part that is required for the rest of the activity to be safe. Um, yeah. So safe word can be used not to mean stop, but just to mean pause, address this. I'm feeling something that is not enjoyable that is a part of this. Yeah. And again, it can be my nose itches. My underpants are crawling up my butt crack. Can you please fix this wedgie because my hands are tied? You know, I mean, it, it can be whatever. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be red or nothing. That is the opposite of, of that. Like, you don't want to get to red, usually. Like, a scene is not necessarily over when someone calls. No, sorry. A scene's end point is not when the bottom calls red. I got you. Anymore. Well- then a sexual encounter ends when a penis ejaculates. That's an important note to make. I think it's probably more obvious than I would have thought, but an important note to make that that's not the end goal is to get to red because you're not mm-hmm. fulfilled at red. Red is your I'm done at this phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And truly the, the most... One of the most important parts of kink play is aftercare, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fancy word for what's basically the afterglow cuddling. You know, I mean, if you think about a regular sexual encounter, if you like to just lay there with your partner and catch your breath for a second, you know, oh, wow, you know, good game, partner. That was great. You like to pass a towel back and forth to each other? Yes. Yeah. Something like that. You know, basically everything that comes to the, you know, everything that comes before the point where like you get up and put your clothes on or you turn off the lights and go to sleep, whatever. Aftercare is a part of most sexual encounters, but it's also particularly important in kink if you're doing anything along the lines of power dynamics, pain play, anything like that. And it's important for both people. And it's basically a period to check in and say, how are you? Was it good for you? Did that fulfill you? And to reestablish your dynamic outside of that scene. So I mentioned that I hear from women a lot that their male partner doesn't want to hurt them. Right. Okay. So if you tell your male partner, I really, really want this. I want you to spank me. I want you to be rough with me, whatever. Your male partner might not feel okay about himself after that. Because as that come down happens, you know, after the scene is complete, if there's sex after the orgasm occurs, you know, after that, he now has to sit with the fact that he did these things. He hit him, hit himself he hit his partner he you know he said mean things to his partner things that he does not want to associate with himself as a person yeah well now he needs a chance to remind himself that that's not who he is right and on the flip side you know if i'm a strong independent woman and you know you're gonna call me a dirty slut and i get off on that 
I need a minute to reorient myself as who I am outside of that scene. Because again, kink is, it's a moment to moment thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's for very few people. Is it their entire life? You know, so aftercare is really important and it can be really just as simple as a cuddle and a verbal check-in for more complex scenes. You know, sometimes you maybe you have like a special blanket or teddy, um, water is always really good to have on hand. A lot of times, anything that has a lot of gasping or, or shouting or screaming, your throat dries out, you know, it's just, just kind of small, almost creature comforts, um, it's also where you, you know, maybe wipe up your partner a little bit. As you said, pass the towel back and forth. It doesn't have to be that different from regular sex. It just needs to be, in my opinion, a little more intentional, especially when you're new at it. And then in my opinion, part of that aftercare, again, especially when you're new at it, is after the fact, having a kitchen table conversation, mm. is sitting down and doing a full debrief. This was my favorite part. I really didn't like this. I was interested in this. I want to try it some more in the future, you know, or like maybe it's, I hated everything about that and I never want to do it again. Yeah. Maybe it's, that's the best thing that we've ever done together. Want to try again tonight. It's, it's just important that everybody knows where they're at because in our first episode, we talked about, you know, how there are these lists of kinks available, right? And you kind of do that menu of it where you say, you know, this one, I will absolutely never try this. I will try this one if a partner wants to do it. I absolutely want to try this one. You know, you've got those different levels. So now that you've done it, go back and revisit. Do you like spanking as much as you thought you did? Maybe yes, maybe no. But I mean, you know, just be honest with yourself and and kind of revisit that because I mean, in the same way that you know, we're, we're always growing. We're always changing. We're always learning more about ourselves mentally and emotionally. And I guess I'm, I'm speaking specifically about you and I, mm-hmm. you know, very intentionally working on ourselves mentally and emotionally. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners too, if they, you know, if they tune into good girl's guide, they probably have similar experiences. It's important to also do that physically and sexually, Yeah, you know, check in with yourself, make sure that things you know, do things still vibe the way they used to? If they don't, why not? Does something need to change? What do you need to look at? Yeah. So it's aftercare is just, it's so important and it doesn't have to be really formal. It really can just be hold your partner and remind them, Hey, I love you. And you did so good. And thank you for sharing that with me. What I've, it can be as simple as just verbal affirmations. What I've loved about this whole conversation, I've been like kind of just like noting in my head every time I felt it, was that kink is really, I mean, at least for in my experience in these conversations that we've been having back and forth, kink is really the pioneering of true foundational intimacy. You know, it's what I preach is the largest problem, quote unquote, in relationships is that it's a misconception of an expectation and when when you when you have a a contention or a a disagreement in a a relationship it's that you're not showing up the way I expect a partner to show up it's not not it's nothing to do with you I think it is and 
you think that about me, but it's, I have an expectation on how my partner's supposed to be and you're not being that. And so all this communication through kink about this is what do I, this is what I expect. This is what I want to try. Here's my limits. Here's my code words. Here's how I um, need to be taken care of afterwards. Here's my expectation of all of that. It's exactly what is, should be the foundation in every relationship. Just like you had said on every level about your money, about your sex, about your religion, about your purpose, about your children, whether or not you're having them all of these things. And so it sounds like it's very foundational to the things that people should be adopting anyway. So it's very poetically beautiful to me that it's this quote unquote, shameful, kinky, gross, whatever people associate with the outside world of it, but doing it right. It's almost identical to me. I, I would highly recommend this um, documentary on Netflix and I'd have to look up the actual name about it, but Maybe it was on Hulu, so I'm effing it up anyways. It was a documentary that followed the Satanic Temple and how, like, at first Tony, it, Tony was like, I think this is satire. And I go, it is not satire. It's like following how they are almost everything that is the opposite of organized religion. but And they, they dressed it up in this thing that draws attention but is so ironically funny that you think it's demonic and you think it's satanic and you think it's immoral, but it's actually one of the purest amazingness things about religion that, that you could ever hope to find. And so it's the same thing and being introduced to something accepting and, um, what inclusive, all those words we were using before, that that's what kink is really about in this quote unquote vanilla misogyny that we've all been conditioned and brought up in is the problem we have with sex and intimacy. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I'm going to take that a step further because the two things are entirely intertwined. Mm -hmm. There is a reason that in a primarily Judeo-Christian centric organized religious situation, sex, sexual freedom, it is pushed against so hard for the exact same reason that a lot of the virtues of the satanic temple are pushed against. And it's because what it does is it confirms you as a person. It is about your autonomy. Yes. It is about being happy and doing no harm. And if someone is in that situation you don't have a way to control them anymore. Right. So you are completely accurate in saying that kink is to vanilla sex as the satanic temple is to mainstream religion. Right. Because they are literally the same thing. Mm -hmm. Organized religion and, and mainstream religion, it's the reason that we have all these absurd ideas about about sex and intimacy and emotion and toxic masculinity and, uh, and second class femininity norm, yeah yeah norm heteronormative um i mean all of the normatives but yeah. you know heteronormative um monogamous uh save it till marriage all of that right it's all wrapped up in the fact that our society is framed around a patriarchal misogynist racist system yes so when you then have the satanic temple and the kink communities saying um actually uh, um 
um, there's a different way. Like, it's really weird because the more you get into it, it's actually, like, it is woke as fuck. Right, right. (laughs) Because that's the only way you can do these things. Yes. The only way you can do ethical kink or ethical relationships, intimacy, friendships, society is to recognize the humanness of everything. And like, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's all part of the same machine. It's just the machine that we've all lived in our whole lives. And, and what's the phrase? You, You can't see the forest for the trees. Right. 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 I would agree with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that uh, that exposure. I hope that some people had a little bit. I mean, and, and if you like, if you're like not really familiar with Satanic Temple, you might not have gotten that reference um, as a yeah. whole. But I would highly recommend, like I said, even checking out the church itself. Um, the documentary was just as somebody who does not come from a really strong organized religious background. I think I'm I'm going to say this with my, an open heart. I probably have a little bit more of an open mind. But if you're somebody who's deconstructing religion you will probably also resonate with it very heavily. Um, it's everything that you, you thought religion was supposed to be. It's in that church. Like, just go mm-hmm. check it out for sure. Just go check it out. So, yeah, um, this was awesome. And I gotta say, kink and the kinky community and, I mean, it, it is what you thought love and sex was supposed to be. Yes, yes. It's fun. It's meaningful. It's safe. It's good in most cases, because you're like, you know, doing this crazy thing where you're like consenting and communicating with your partner and everybody's getting their needs met. And it's exploring. Yeah. I mean, hmm. yeah, it underscores the humanity turning. of it. And that's the part that is so, um, so threatening to the mainstream. There you go. There you go. I and think you just nailed that. That is. We're right back to that's why it gets othered. I think you just nailed it that it's threatening. It's very threatening to the construct that keeps the majority of the masses in line. Mm-hmm. And because it's threatening, we are taught that it is bad yeah. and that you should be ashamed of it. And you won't be accepted if you're in it. Yeah, there's something wrong with you if you want to be part of it. There's definitely something wrong with those people. And the truth of it is, all of that is absolute bullshit. Yeah. And every community has bad apples, right? There are sure. just some people who are not here to make others out. There's some people who are out for themselves in any community. But in general, the kinky, the LGBT, QIA, mm-hmm. the polyamorous communities, they are the most open and woke and loving communities I've ever been a part of because they know what it's like to not be accepted and they know that that's not okay. They know what it's like not to be respected for their wants and needs and individualities and truth as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why if you've listened to this and you're starting to think, Oh shit, I think I might be kinkier than I thought I was. Good. That was, I'd say that was kind of the point. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, everybody is, that was, that's that dropping of kink to preference. I mean, seriously, if it's, if you're considering anything other than 
sticking a penis inside a vagina, that is also considered kink. I don't think that people even recognize that manual stimulation and oral um, oral sex is also considered kink because it's not part of what would it take to reproduce the world? Yeah. It's subversive. Yeah. It's just really mainstream subversive at this yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And that is why choking became kind of a thing not too long ago. That's why <laughs> bondage play became a thing not too long ago because they became more mainstream. And so uh, mark words because it won't be long before a lot of this conversation that we have is also mainstream and it'll be... Yeah. It'll, it'll be breaching into deeper conversations, I think, about more specific kink, which is, again, a good thing because it's, again, more acceptance. It's not mm-hmm. it's not different than the evolution of gay, lesbian to transgender to intersex to everything else that we're at now. Mm-hmm. So more specificity means more fluidity, means more understanding of yourself and acceptance that you are not anothered. You're just literally being able to piece every part of you together and claim it as you because that's how it works. There's no two boxes to check. Yeah. 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 You got to claim every ring of your gyroscope, yo. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to. You want to. Yes. You want to. So this was an amazing conversation. I think that it uh, it definitely came together so well. So, I mean, like we had said before, we really hope that you're getting value from them. Uh, screenshot, share it, whatever you need to. Because, again, it is free. So if you know somebody's got some time that's been picking apart their sexuality, if they just in general, it doesn't even matter if you're not picking apart your sexuality, just being able to reinforce the naturalness that is receiving this God-given right to pleasure. I just will be better off. We're going to be better off on so many levels. So yeah. So let me know. So that way we can uh, tag Hannah in it too. So she knows that you're getting something from this. Okay. And uh, stay tuned because we definitely know that we'll be back for more conversations. And if there's anything that you have questions or concerns or you're interested about, uh, you know, um, I think we are a good duo here and now I think there's a lot that's brought to the table with your experience and your knowledge so we look forward to seeing if there's any suggestions or questions or concerns as well for sure so now especially that they're probably obsessed with you tell them again where they can find you (laughs) Uh, I am Hannah Joy on Facebook that's H-A-N-N-A-H and I am on TikTok and Instagram as Hannah Hannah Joy Joy, and that is with a double H in the middle as well. <laughs> good way to say it. Good way to say it. So, uh, y'all already know about me. You can tune back into the beginning if you need a refresher or whatever. But we want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for not only having Hannah. Not, um, I mean, it's selfish of me because I get to spend time with you. But I just, like <laughs> I said, it just it's an amazing. Um, addition to what I'm able to provide to people who listen to this podcast and uh, it's always such a joy joy to get this experience together for sure I know I didn't even I didn't even plan it it just rolled off just like that so yeah Uh uh-huh yeah okay all right so we'll be back next time and in the meantime especially as we are rolling out of summer it's my favorite season we're rolling into fall which is obviously a change of season to begin with you guys know, okay, it's it's sickness season in general. If everything that's going on, just stay happy, stay healthy, wash your hands, wash your hands a little extra, get a little bit extra fiber in your diet, have some more fruits and vegetables, move your body a little bit better, talk to your therapist or your best friend or be open with your partner. Do what you need to do so that you feel your best um, because I just want you to be, be happy and healthy. So wash your hands. All and right. drink your water. Oh, yeah. I'm, yes, I've been chugging along over here for sure. <laughs> for yes, water is your best friend for sure. Okay, so yeah, that's all we got. Happy, healthy, wash your hands. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.